1: Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television here on Movie Beat. You're going to learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV, and we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. My guest today is author, screenwriter, blogger Doug Richardson and he's done so much he's written uh, novels he has a blog, a must read blog for filmmakers and uh, and he's written movies like Die Hard and Money Train and Bad Boys and uh, we're going to talk about all of it we're going to talk about writing and uh, uh, finding an audience and, or delivering to your audience, anything. Well, he's coming up in just a few seconds, so uh, stay tuned. And uh, the chat room is open, so if you're listening live right now, you can join us in the chat room. All of these interviews are archived at com. That's the official URL for Rex Movie Beat. That's me. I'm your host. Uh, but at the interviews blog at com. All of these interviews are live. We record live and then they're archived. They're available there 24 7. You just go into my guest biography page. By the way, Doug's biography page is right there. I, I recommend that you read his biography if you haven't already. And uh, he's been with us before, so there's a previous interview. You're going to go, want to go back and listen to that as well. So all of these interviews are stored right there, again, available 24 7. And also at the iTunes store as podcasts, absolutely free. Now, whenever you listen live or archive, do me a favor, do us a favor, do my guest a favor. That is leave a comment at the player, at the Blog Talk Radio player that's right there below the chat room. You know, Or if you're not in the chat room, you're listening archived, it's right there on a little window. It says comments. Leave a comment about the show, about my guest, about what you thought, and things like that. It helps us extend our reach to people who have yet to discover the show or who have yet to hear my guest. Uh, speak so, please do leave comments there and rate and review the shows at, at the iTunes Store. Again, it helps our our presence, our visibility on the internet, and uh, increase. So I want to say hi to all the people in the chat room, and I want to say that my guest's website is Doug Richardson dot com. That is D o u g R i c h a r d s o n dot com. Go visit it; you'll be glad you did. Hi, Doug. How you doing?
0: Hey, Rex. I am fine. I guess. <laughs> Kinda of early out here. It's early on the west coast. Uh, it's not so, that early, but you know, I can I can complain about it being early.
1: Well see nothing nothing in Hollywood opens up until ten o'clock. I mean
0: except for coffee it's shops. That's true. Except you know, the coffee shop and the breakfast meetings and the And the bangs and things. <laughs> and the, you know, executives on their ellipticals reading your script right now. That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> there you go. So uh but uh well welcome good morning. Um I'm I'm happy to have you back on the show and uh we got a lot to talk about. Again, uh, your website's is and last time uh, I checked <laughs> last time you said you have an incredible blog by the way, your blog is i it Thank is you. for your website is incredible you've got uh, you know your books, films, screenplays, blogs, media, and likes, but you know by the way, I'm not in your like page. I should have told you that off the air but <laughs> oh, I'm not
0: oh well, it will be just well, you know, cool, it, cool i did well, now I that you've told me on the air, I guess I have to you <laughs> now you have to or so or, I or have if to check. You, the war department is in charge of the likes page. Okay, so I, I have to say, get if, that information to her.
1: <laughs> i was going to say if you don't, it's even more poignant than if now on the air. Said
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> You're on my secret life page. Well, there you
1: go, and and, and likewise. So, uh, but no, but you do. You have the. You've got an incredible blog because it it deals with so many different factors. You know, I mean, if if people look, if they look along the right side of your page, they'll say agent managers, lawyers, all kinds of collaboration, blog, breaking into Hollywood, development hell, Hollywood, you know, making bad boys hostage, money train. I mean, on directors, just a pitching. I mean, just everything that anybody, you know, needs to know or wants to know. You know, you have uh, producers, uh, perks of research. You, you have uh, seemingly addressed right there in your blog. It's a, it's
0: a kind of film school
1: where yeah. you don't
0: have to pay.
1: There you go. It's
0: like it's like your your you know podcast. You know it's right. It's Rex Sykes and Stone School only. It's free. Right. Right. We should charge. And- <laughs> we
1: should we should and and the but the but, and, and as such that's why I ask people to do something in return like leave comments and rate and review shows or share it you know to add, same with your blog i mean people you know if you find something that's really good that's a resource then then one of the ways that you can kind of pay it forward and pay it back is simply to share it near and far with uh, your friends and colleagues and and industry connections so that they too can benefit in the way that the that the listener or the reader you know does so uh, very cool um, so, well, let's start with this. I mean, you're, you're, you know, I mean, you do so, you do so much writing and 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 stuff. Um, let's let's
0: Weird. You say that because I don't feel like I write enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's the, true. The, the, no, I know. I I I I believe that. I understand that. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> I was going to say. Let's Sorry, start. but I
0: just it's. <laughs> no, I no, threw, no. I, I threw you there.
1: No, that's no, that's cool. But no, I, but I can understand that. I mean, there, there, you, you know, when someone uh, does what you do, you know, you, I, I don't know. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how someone has. Because I'm a terribly disciplined, undisciplined writer. I don't, I don't do. Uh, I don't consider myself a writer. First off, so I guess maybe that's why. But I'm, but I'm terribly undisciplined in that regard. How do you, how do you discipline yourself to, to, to do and accomplish what you've done?
0: um i guess the the first thing is is just is you know is cuz you have to cuz you have no safety net because you don't want to go back to work bagging groceries
1: there you go or something
0: yeah. like that that's you know for years i used to just say you know right 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 or otherwise you know i'm going to be answering those job ads in the window you know <laughs> right, applications right. being t- taken so that's that's a huge piece of it um, and then, it, and then you know, there's the old "got to pay the mortgage" thing. That's a, that's also a motivator to make you know to be disciplined. And then it just becomes a habit. Then you then you end up liking being alone, with being you know this terribly antisocial job, but you know you, you like being alone and you like being you know in front of your you know your computer screen and you know making stuff up. You know, really, if you th- think about it, it's not re- you know, or or if it's a blog, I'm not making anything up in the blog, but you know, just retelling a story of something that happened. You know, it ends up being fun and ends up being what you like to do. So the discipline, <clears throat> it ends up disciplining me. You know, now I have to go right.
1: Well, that's cool. I mean, but the, the, the you know, being tethered in that way is is uh, uh, then a way of being productive. You know, I, I, oh yeah. You know, if if there's no ultimate reward for it, then there's no reason that i suppose supposed to do it. It must be very difficult to difference. Be, well, for example, I mean, you've written spec scripts, but you've written spec scripts, commissioned scripts. So, uh, I, I mean, I think if somebody paid me to deliver uh, a project tomorrow, I would be much more <laughs> disciplined than I am right now.
0: Yeah. You know, the deadline always helps and, yeah. you know, it, you know, it it, 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 there's, there's also the, I mean, again, is it, is it sitting down to write or is it sitting down to write well and do it well? I mean, anyone can sit down and, and write, but it's, you know, once you, you know, hopefully if you get hired to write something by somebody else and they're paying you and they have a deadline and they really want to get that movie made, um, you know, or get that book published, you have a reason to want to really write and do it well. So that, right. you know, there's this kind of sort of Damocles that's over your head. You know, if you don't do well, you're screwed.
1: So is all, if we if, if, to to use a, a phrase, you know, I mean, the, the notion all uh, good writing is, is is there's no such thing. That, what is it? Is there's no such good as good writing. There's just good rewriting.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's just it's really true. I mean, you gotta end up loving that process. Um, I mean, there's the wonderful inspiration that comes when you're you know with a blank page and you've never been there before. And that's the fun part. You know, that's really the uh-huh. most fun part. Uh, but um, it doesn't really get good until you start going in and fixing it and rewriting it and rethinking it and, you know, rebuilding it. And then, you know, if it's a really good collaborative process, you have, you know, if it's a good one, you have smart people coming in saying, well, what about this? And, You know, did you think maybe that, you know, or this isn't, you know, this is great. I love this, but this isn't so great. You know, can we do better? And that's my thing with rewriting. It's, 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 can I do better? You know, I had a director once saying, can you beat this? I always like that term. He says, I need you to, this line is okay, but can you beat it? Cool. Yeah. You know, and I always kind of say, well, I can try and. Generally, if you do, you know you can. So, and then it, and then it gets better, and then the reward is okay. Well, it really is rewriting. Rewriting really does make it that much
1: better. I haven't
0: had many circumstances where it made it worse. So,
1: no, the, so right, right. Well, I, you know, for I, I, I'll confess something about me, uh, and and I'm sure maybe it applies to other people. I I tend to be such a perfectionist that when I'm I sit down and write that I get caught up in editing while I'm writing instead of just writing. And and so I sit there, and so I don't get very far very fast. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. But it seems like like to me if I could just go stream of consciousness, get it out there, and then go back and check it and clean it up, it would be a more efficient process for me. And same thing with writing books. I go, you know, it's got to be right the first time around. And, and I haven't written novels, but I've, I've, I've got a number of books sitting on, on my computer, you know, waiting to be published that are, are you know, how-to <laughs> non, non-fiction books. You know, but but because I go, I want to have it right. And somebody told me that's what the second edition is about. You know, it's getting it right in the second edition. Don't worry about it. Just get it out there.
0: So, yeah, so, that's true. But every one of the different you know, I uh, there, there are there are tricks and, and whatever, but there's a lot of people who have different you know processes. Some people, you know, don't want to edit at all. You know, the uh-huh. first time and do what they call the vomit draft. Uh huh. They just get it all out there and then they start retooling it. And some people need to kind of fix it as they go along because they it needs to feel like something almost finished to them so they can process it. You know their own story that way. I don't think there's a a right way and a wrong way, other other than you just continue to put one foot in front of the other. You know, and take another bite of the elephant until it's finally eaten.
1: Uh huh. Well, there there therein is the uh, a very good wealth of material, bite by bite. You know, I mean, you know, getting it, you know, or drop by drop fills the tub. They say, you know, uh, right. Yeah, that's that's uh, an excellent point. So, so let me ask you this, because we, we were talking about writing, writing processes, and things like that. Um, you you've written obviously very you know successful screenplays that have become you know big movies, you know, tentpole movies for that matter. And you've written novels. You've got uh, how many novels do you you have? You've got Blood Money. I just
0: I just finished my fourth novel. Your so. fourth novel. Just, just published my fourth novel. I'm writing my fifth.
1: Uh, awesome. So there's so l- let's list them. There's Blood Money, which is the, and then True Believers, and.
0: There was Blood Money, and if you go backwards, there was, there was Blood Money, and then the book just before it was the Safety Expert.
1: The Safety Expert.
0: Just before that was True Believers, and the book just before that was Dark Horse. Yeah.
1: And there was... were no
0: books before Dark Horse. <laughs> We've done that. Were publishable.
1: Uh-huh, and but there's a fifth one that will be, so that's awesome, yeah, you know very cool and again, and again, I should tell people go ahead, go check out doug dot com because all of this stuff or much of this stuff is there that's very, very cool um so in writing you know be, between screenplays and novels, can we uh, assume that there's some structural differences? Perhaps, but that the I, I'm going to venture I guess that the goal would be the same. That is to entertain, to have a to have a compelling story, and uh, to get from you know beginning to end in, in a in a in a riveting fashion. But what are what can you compare and contrast the two for us? Because there are novelists listening, there are screenwriters who are listening, um, both those who are seasoned and those who are you know starting out. Uh, are there conventions that are similar to both and or, or mechanics? And then, and then how does it different differ?
0: Well, I I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, which a lot of people don't really know and get right away, which is uh, the, you know, whether you're writing a blog, a screenplay or a novel or, you know, anything for that matter, your goal is to entertain. Your goal is to be compelling. So, you know, I always just say, you know, your goal is to turn the page to get someone to turn the page to you know to, to keep them involved so that's the same no matter what you're doing um and the discipline of you know I'm getting up in the morning to write the novel the script the blog that's there too you got to sit down you got to you know get in front of a the, the you know machine and you know or or tablet or whatever you're going to write on and 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 bang it out and then rewrite, and I rewrite everything. I even rewrite my blog. I edit my blog, you know, quite a few times before it it's there. But then, you know, but the main difference uh, between especially screenwriting and, and book writing, which I get a lot, I get that question a lot. Um, you know, the, the the screenwriting is very, very structured um, in that uh, there's there's generally a limit to the length, you know, of a screenplay, which should be no more than 115, 120 pages. There's, um, you know, there's, you know, movies, you know, are. It, it, you're you're writing a schematic, you know, when you're writing a, a movie, which is, you know, a, an, an architecture, an, an architect's rendering of sort of what the the movie should be, and which is limited to pretty much generally as you're writing a screenplay to what you see and what you hear, primarily what you see and what people say, you know, uh, action and dialogue. And uh, maybe a little intention there and maybe, you know, uh, but generally you're limited to just that and it has to, um, it has to re-like the wind. (laughs) You have to be very light on your feet and, and get through it and get moving because you only have, so many pages in which you know, which is supposed to be roughly the screenplay format, is supposed to be roughly a minute of screen time, and you have only so many pages to get through your story. Where you know, everyone's read books and they've all read different kinds of books, and it's kind of obvious where books are compared to a screenplay, incredibly elastic, incredibly facile. You can. It's not just what you see and what you hear. It's it's about what you feel and what you think and you know and you can write smells <laughs> and <laughs> colors and and change point of view and it's um but at the same time you still have to be compelling uh so th- that's where they're primarily different it's just one is highly structured and one is is not structured at all you know and uh, uh once you kind of get over that the 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 having I started off as a, as a screenwriter so um you know it it was that's generally a harder transition into writing books uh not just from a business standpoint but a uh an actual writing standpoint when you write screenplays you're so used to being clip and brief and quick that you know, when you sit down to write straight prose of like a book, you can you could finish your book in 50 pages, and there's not much there, you know, to read. So you have to really sort of open certain doors inside yourself to, you know, to let out, you know, essentially more compelling stories and such. Uh, but but once once I've now that I've done it enough times it's a pretty easy transition from easy to one to the other. So it's it's not so weird and strange, but it's like I, truly it's almost like speaking two different languages. You know, you're saying the same thing, but different words. Wow.
1: Um, I got a couple of que- That's, that's fascinating. And I, I, and I, and I, I want to comment, but I've got a couple of questions from the, from the chat room that I'd like to ask of you okay. and the the first one is Doug should a screenwriter consider accepting percentage But well, that's actually the second one but I'll do that one I'll go with that one. Doug, should a screenwriter consider accepting percentage points on a commission uh production or turn that away for full cash up front is and then I guess the question says is there a film you wish you'd gotten points on that you didn't?
0: <laughs> should oh so you're you're talking about percentage of the profit?
1: Yeah, yeah. They, should they accept ah, the percentage versus full cash up front? Should they uh,
0: bet on themselves or bet against failure? That's a really good question. I suppose it depends on who you're in business with. If you're making your basic general Hollywood movie, uh, probably you should take the cash because, you know, unless unless the... Unless you're player enough to have the right attorney put the deal together, um, and to make sure you know you're actually getting the points on the movie, uh, it's it's probably better to get the cash because um, it's not that there's that much funny accounting that goes on. It's 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 the, it's your death. It's <laughs> in Hollywood. It's you know profit is is determined by your your contractual definition of profit. And it sounds very complicated, and it is, and to read these contracts is pretty crazy. But, you know, if you've got a really good definition and you feel like you have a good one, take the point. If you don't feel like you have a good one, you know, where they can essentially tack on the, as someone once said, the painting of the studio commissary, (laughs) you know, into the the overhead cost of the film, you know, take the cash. is there a movie I wish I would have had? Yeah, I wish I would have had, you know, gross points on Bad Boys probably because that went into profit so fast. Uh, that would have, and that would have, that would still be paying today. Right, You know, right. You know, uh, but I've still done pretty well, so I'm not, I can't complain. Uh-huh. I had gross points once. I had gross points on, I haven't even vlogged about this yet, uh, on on Welcome to Mooseport, my my bomb. <laughs> and 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 uh it was kind of by accident that we had this i had gross points but um because they pretty much at the last minute took gross points away from everybody on the film but they forgot about the writers uh-huh. and yeah and Tom Shulman and I were sitting over in the corner saying oh my gosh if this makes if this makes money we're going it's going to be nuts because we actually had a very nice definition of gross Profit on that movie, and the movie tanks. So, oh uh,
1: oh aw. No, I mean it totally does suck. I mean, I, I don't mean to, I don't, mean to I don't mean to, I don't mean to give a, a placating uh to it. I'm just,
0: I'm like, an, oh someone my God. once said to, to 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 answer the question about being paid up front. Uh, one of the reasons why in Hollywood people try and get paid so much movie up front on a a, a movie, uh is as much of a protection against success as it is failure, you know, is that if your movie is a success, there's not a lot of trust that you're going to get paid back in percentage. You know, an actor would much be much happier to take the $15, $20 million up front, uh, not just to protect against if the movie tanks or not, but if the movie succeeds, getting that, 50 to 20 million dollars in their, you know, profit percentage is kind of can be hard to get.
1: Well, don't you think it's just kind of like the lottery? You're better to take the cash up front with a massive tax cut than to get it doled out over a lifetime for a larger percentage? Because you're going to from a percent-
0: practical standpoint, you yeah. Know.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in the same way. And then there are those horror stories, not unlike yours, but where I guess the, the story of Missouri Breaks, where Brando and Nicholson took back end against the, you know, the movie, and then of course it tanked and 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 they lost money. Um, it, 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 the business side of this is also so very fascinating. I don't want to um, to to walk away from that topic, I, but I do want to get to the other question too that's asked because it's. Um, uh, Rebecca asks, would, would you recommend a degree in English or do you think anyone can write a good story with or without a college education?
0: Oh, really good question. Um, <clears throat> that's a really, I like that question a lot. Um, a degree in English helps only, no, you don't need a degree in English. I don't have a degree in English. Um, uh, it It, you know, a degree in English only helps because you know, you know, you know how to structure a sentence. If you know how to structure a sentence, which I actually almost don't know how to do, <laughs> but if you know, it's all about being compelling, um, and uh, it's about you know, I don't know if if there's that class that college you know English class called you know compelling writing one hundred and one. It's you know is 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 there a class that says you know, uh, in, in be interesting. And that's kind of the most important thing when you write is that, you know, are you compelling? Uh, There are those people who, you know, there's the literary fiction people who, you know, there's less story and more uh, emphasis on how it's written and, uh, and, you know, how artfully it's written. I don't even know if you're going to learn that in college. You're going to be, if you're around people in college that make you write and, and, and being in college and getting an English degree makes you write and puts you in a situation where you're learning and teaching yourself to be a really strong, you know, writer than, and storyteller, then great, you know, get a degree in in English. But I, I certainly don't think it's a it's a prerequisite unless you plan on teaching, you know, English down the road. Excellent that's, point. That's my opinion. So, is there? I mean,
1: I, this is going to be one of those those questions that uh, when I ask it, I think it's hard to answer. I mean, but but is there a is there a trick, a knack, a uh, 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 a set of principles, a guideline, a formula? Is there something for learning how to be compelling? In other words, you know, some some people will say, well, you're either born an actor or you're you're not. You know, you can't really learn it, or you're born right. a writer or you're not. But is there is there is there a way if we thought about Hollywood or about novels that sell, is there is there something? That uh, we can wrap our head around that if we could develop this uh, uh, talent or ability or uh, set uh, organizing set of principles in our own mind that would make uh, our writing more more compelling or more riveting.
0: Yeah, there, there. It's it's a thing that you can only teach yourself through, you know, or I don't know if you can be taught it, but you can teach yourself it through storytelling because all it is is basic storytelling. If I gave you. Um, if let's just go back to uh, uh, the story of the three bears you know the earliest one of the earliest stories you hear as a child and I tell someone sitting across from me uh, tell me the story of the three bears and they told me the story of the three bears and I you know said that was really boring uh, you need to make it more interesting and I sent them away and said now come back and make it more interesting and they tried again and they tried again and I kept sending them away eventually through trial and error they're going to figure out how to tell the three bears, the story of the three bears in a way, you know, the story of Goldilocks in a way that you know, is interesting to me and and that's what a writer essentially is learning how to do, is take that story you know, that basic story that everyone knows or that story that no one knows and make it interesting and compelling you can teach yourself, you can learn it, you know, it it is it is an art, but it's also, it's more of a craft in that regard. So it, I think, I, but, but, but do people try and teach it? That's the question. Is there a place where you can go to learn to be compelling versus, you know, do you have that teacher who says to you, yeah, I like kind of what the story is about here, but I'm not, uh, it doesn't move me. So let's talk about what would move me and then learning how to move people.
1: Oh that's very cool. I I like that. I'm a firm believer that you you it's it's the old saying, you know, you 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 can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink. People can present information and and ideas and structure and tips, you know, it's just like, you know, I can get a trainer over to my house, you know, to try and help me develop the body of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I actually got to do the lifting. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah. I I yeah, for me it was it I mean that's it's just so true. I mean, it is you're right. You're you're 100 correct there. You're right on the money. And when I went to I went to USC Film School, and when it was a tiny little film school, and we were in these quantum huts, and there were only 20 students per semester that were accepted, and you felt like, man, we're amazing. We got accepted to this this amazing exclusive program. And I remember one of the first things that happened in film school, which George Lucas came to talk to us. He's a famous former you know graduate and. And stuff. And I remember him saying, flat out, film school, especially this school, will not teach you a thing. You are not going to learn how to make movies here. It is, but then he said, but it's a great place to teach yourself. It's a great place, uh, it's a great playground for you to instruct yourself and learn how. And I've never forgotten that. In that, it's like it's all about what you bring to the party, you know.
1: Um, th- th- that is that is that is awesome. I mean, it, it you know it 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 uh, gives us you know it, it throws the onus on on where it should be because I think a lot of people expect you know that if they go somewhere, someone's going to you know unscrew their head and pour the information in, they're somehow going to magically emerge you know altogether different. Whereas, you know, the responsibility for more, much of what we want to accomplish is is strictly on our shoulders. Um one question I had when you were talking about the three bears is um like like in two, uh people sitting around a campfire all telling ghost stories, you know, at nighttime, you know, when you're kids or as adults and somebody's always like the best storyteller and then there's a the person whose story just falls flat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know what I same, mean? I mean, same thing with with joke with joke tellers. With
1: joke tellers, right? If you're in the presence of a great joke teller, <laughs> just shut up. is my motto. I would just exactly. don't try and top them. You're just gonna look dumb. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so, but I mean, but, but, but if we thought about that, if we were to take storytelling and say, you know, and it may not work commercially, but the idea, what you had said was, it, it's just about being a great storyteller. And if you look at what people do when they uh, are sitting around for coffee, telling jokes, or when they do tell stories, uh, I imagine some of those conventions and principles. You know, we could glean them from them. Just, just, you know, in in many ways. I mean, some some of it is, you know, in the in the live act of storytelling. Obviously, there's also probably a ch- charisma factor in there. You know, uh, you know, are they? Oh, sure. You know, but but uh, for the written word and things like that. I mean, I, I imagine that there's a similar kind of. Um, a learning process that we could glean from, for example, I mean, I I can, what's nice about the internet in some ways is I can go and I can read die hard too, you know, on the internet. I I mean, I can, I can learn from you. I can, I can, you know, go see the movie and, and, and look at the movie, um, you know, and, and other things. So, you know, we can um, begin to kind of composite what makes good storytelling or what makes
0: a compelling story. Yeah. It's, it's, definitely out there and and everyone based on how they read those things or hear those things uh, is as their own storyteller are going to filter it in their own way. So, you know, you can take five people and have them read the same really compelling screenplay and they may get five different things out of it that makes it compelling to them and they, they can then learn how how they process it and decide how they're going to tell their story. Because that's what makes storytelling unique. You know, there isn't just one way to tell a story. You know, as long as you're interesting and compelling, and that's why, that's why the campfire stories are so great. And 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 because it's it's as much about the storyteller, as it is the story. You know, and I think if someone who wants to write and or is interested in writing or, directing or making movies or writing, books and stuff, it's you know, if you tell it through your own filter, um, it's gonna have its own uniqueness. You know, and that's what makes a lot of the stories told over and over again very, very interesting to us because, you know, we are individuals telling those stories, putting our own spin and 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 stuff on them. So uh um I don't think there's one really great storyteller out there. I think there's a whole bunch of them. Fair enough. Fair enough, very
1: cool. I, I want to turn my attention to your novel, your, your recent one, um, uh, Blood Money. Yes. And can Can you tell us uh, about how that came about and um, and the the process of writing a novel as it differs from a screenplay and getting it published? I mean, there's. I'm going to have to take a break in the in, in, in about ten minutes, but just so you know where we're headed, I'd, I'd love to hear because a lot of people are, are novelists or they're writing a novel or they're, you know they're trying to get stuff uh, published. So. Um, can you can you guide us through that process?
0: Guide us through the process you... of well, you know it's. it's and let's see,
1: but first let's talk about Blood Money because it's out. Is it, it, it it's coming out or it is out? I mean
0: it is out last just out last week and you can buy it in ebook and trade paper through my website. Uh, mm-hmm. You can click through my website or just go right to to Amazon dot com and look it up. It is not the only book ever written titled Blood Money, but. <laughs> Uh so don't buy any old blood money out there but either one either one by the way by Doug Richardson by me and then then it's the right one cause there's only one written written by me um uh you know it, this is it's just it, as anything it's a story i wanted to tell um it's a story i thought would make a really neat book it's about a a a fella who thinks he's got a very simple plan which is uh to steal a refrigerator truck full of frozen plasma or blood and he's going to ship it to, you know, the Middle East and collect, you know, and sell it for a million dollars which is roughly what a truckload of frozen plasma would would be. And unfortunately uh, he makes an error that has a catastrophic effect like dropping a you know, a, uh, a pebble into a pond. It has a, a ripple effect. Uh, it affects many lives and, uh, <clears throat> a massive manhunt ensues throughout the Los Angeles area to find this guy, uh, who's, you know, who all he wants to do is ship his, his, his refrigerator truck full of blood, uh, you know, frozen blood, and instead he, you know, he ends up, you know, pretty much with everybody chasing him, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun ride. It's a thriller. It's, it's a crime thriller. It's 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 a genre. It's an LA noir kind of genre, uh, and uh, which is the genre I kind of decided I wanted to kind of stay in. I do like writing about Los Angeles. I don't think Los Angeles, you know, is written about that well um true yeah you know, so that's that, that 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 that's the book it's a real ride it's really fun um it's you know it's it's not something that you know it's not turgid it's not something that's gonna take you, you're gonna find it hard you know t- to get through um it's just what it, it's just what it's supposed to be which which is a thriller the process of, of of writing it you know i mean i i wrote it over the course of the last year. Uh, like anything, you know it, that's you know the book is the marathon that you write when you're not writing blogs and when you're not uh, uh, you know when I'm not working on various screenplays or uh, you know pitching TV shows. I'm still cool. I'm still in the the entertainment business and and uh, the publishing world is very very. It's it's in it's in a, a whole new phase right now. And I've chosen to indie publish because I do believe that's the future. And it is uh Blood Money is an indie book. You're not buying a book from Harper you're not buying a book from Penguin or Bantam. you're buying a book uh from the author. Uh, I may you know, you someone asked that question about percentages and profit and and stuff, this is almost like i my I've decided to be and authors can now become their own publishing company, uh which is very exciting and a little scary, but uh at the same time extraordinarily fulfilling uh you don't have to deal with you know their schedule they you know you're on your own schedule, so I'm trying to get this within your ten minute limit here <laughs> don't worry about so, that no no no, I don't, don't, know don't where worry about I'm that. At. <laughs>
1: No, no, don't don't worry about your that. Question? You're you no, know, you're doing great. Do you do you know? Um, can we? It, it is an it's an amazing thing because especially in the world of nonfiction self-publishing. I mean that wor- that world kind of exploded a long time ago with uh, uh, you know e-books and um, I mean not this. I mean self-publishing. You could you could have you know trade paper self-published book um, that that. That we, the people are familiar with, and then e-books opened up for for the nonfiction world, um, and I always liked public the world of publishing like the world of, of the movie business. In that you had gatekeepers, you had your large publishing companies that 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 were gatekeeping, and then you had your large, you know, distribution companies or you know your the, the pipeline through which movies or television went through, and and now the world really has opened up where uh, especially for um, uh, fiction writers to now be able to publish electronically and or with Kindles or to do trade paper and to do it on their own, uh, whereas at one time it just wasn't the case and it just wasn't very practical and, and so um, so this is very exciting, uh, but but the struggle would seem to always be uh, capturing an audience and, and and maintaining an audience and keeping an audience right. and, and you know w- which is what the the big the big guys the big gals have have over us is that they already they already have markets that are established and so
0: they, I, they, they, it's just about getting out there and growing it one reader at a time if you people listening to this 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 podcast were to go to my site buy the book read it like it, go on amazon, write a review uh you know i I have a new fan and then when I have my new book which I'm writing right now uh ninety nine percent kill it's going to be out within a year and they'll have another book just like they would uh you know reading an author at a major house um the, there's a real democratizing of the market that that's gone on and uh it's you know it it the, they don't we, the the publishers really don't have or own that market anymore, where they where they can say they can they they have the crime fiction market, mm. and and or the young author market, where they just say that this you know we're the big house and all the best writers are with us. They're unfortunately not going to be able to make those deals anymore, where where you, you have authors who 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 either have a franchise character, or or a franchise genre that they that they write in. You know they can get. The, they can build the same following that they would elsewhere now on their own, you know, with their own little, you know, self publishing in you know, a business. I mean, it supposes though, you know, writing and self publishing supposes that you're writing something that people want to read, obviously. And it's good enough to compete in the marketplace. I mean, that's, that's the, you know, because truly anybody can print anything now. Right. and put it up on 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 Amazon and I you can go on Amazon and and pull some books that are pretty darn unreadable out there. <laughs> right. If someone right. said, okay. "Hey, I can." So, the hard part is is it competing with the major houses right now? It's the hard part is actually competing with you know, uh, is is breaking through the noise of all those people who never could get published before. Who now say you know for good reason, and who who now say, hey, I can just publish my book. You know, it's on Amazon.
1: No, you're so right. I I I, you know again, I used to liken it to that. At one time, you competed for you know like a funnel. You know, all, all the the Hollywood stuff or mainstream books were going through distribution channels, so you had this wide end that uh, narrowed down into a tight little thing that only so many people could get through, and so everybody competed for that. Now it seems to me that the difference is it's is more like just a big tube, you know, and there's there's no – the the, the difference in my analogy is that whereby there used to be, say, a thousand people trying to get published and, and, say, five or ten could. Now there's a thousand people trying to get published and a thousand people can. <laughs> right. So, so right. you're, the numbers don't really change that much in terms of you're still competing against, you know, things that are are difficult to compete against.
0: Right. It's just it's just it's just finding it's again like breaking through the noise and you know right. I'm lucky in that I'm starting to break through the noise and I'm I got book bloggers now following me and reading my stuff and writing wonderful reviews you know for this book and the last book and. I'm building a following and I'm, you know, I'm building up my own, you know, readership and the beauty of the ebook world that exists is, you know, no longer does your book have a shelf life. No longer is it fighting for,
1: right you know,
0: shelf space in Barnes and Noble and, and you're not in danger of falling out of print anymore, which is, which, you know, unless you're an, you're a novelist, that is cranking out a book every so often and has such incredible and it's built up such a following and has such demand that Barnes and Noble has to have those books in stock or can get it to you in a couple of days if you order it um, now it's there's no shelf space it's there you my catalog you can go back to and say well wow, I like that book I'll buy that book click there it is you know I'll, oh I like that book I'll buy it I'll read that, that one now click there it is Well, that's an
1: excellent excellent point. I I guess the same would be true, then, too, about movies now that are streaming, you know, that are available, you know, electronically, you know, that, that again, you don't have the shelf space, which, on the one hand, i got to be honest, I I really enjoy. On the other hand, I go, you know, I still kind of like brick-and-mortar stores. I still kind of like having a, a hard copy. What if tomorrow Apple... You know, iTunes went out of business. <laughs> what happens to all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, just, or you what if they decide that, that tomorrow...
0: Files don't get erased. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know,
1: there's something about, you know, what if the cloud, you know, there's a cloud buster somewhere. And, um, um well, this is fascinating. Let me take the, a short break. Hang, hang in there, Doug. Again, it's DougRichardson.com. And uh, you're going to want to go there, and you're going to want to check out all of his offerings and and check out the books and the novels both there and on Amazon.com. And he's got an incredible blog that you're going to want to look at and subscribe to. And uh, we'll come back in just a moment with Doug. And uh, if you've got questions, and there are questions in the chat room, uh, we'll ask those of Doug as well. So you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat at rexsykes.com. That's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. All I ask of you is to share these interviews, share this one with Doug. With all your friends and industry connections, you know, near and far. Post it on Facebook. Post it on, tw- or tweet it on Twitter. Use your favorite social me- media means. You know, reach across the coffee shop table and say, "Hey, check this out," and, and turn somebody onto the show and t- onto my guests. That that really means a lot. And then also, if you're in the chat room today, do not leave without making a comment at the comment window. If you're listening to me loud and you're in the chat room, you can go ahead and leave a comment right now if you can find the window. Usually, it's right below the chat room window. If you're not in the chat room uh, but you are listening to this through Blog Talk Radio, go ahead and leave a comment. Rate and review the podcast as well. I want to tell you about my upcoming guests, and then uh, we'll be right back with Doug. Tomorrow, Katie Elhoffer. She's a costume designer, a wardrobe person. She's worked on the, a number of different projects, but she's also worked on Yellow Rock, which is one of the movies that we've been discussing. We've talked to the producers, the director, we've talked to this, uh, the, the composer um, and different people on the movie, and we're continuing that discussion. So she's going to join us to talk about what it means to design costumes, especially for a period piece like this Western, you know, and put that together and assemble it and, and get it all ready for the actors. So it's a nuts and bolts on costuming. And you're going to want to listen to it. It's the same time all my blogs are 11 o'clock Eastern, or 10 o'clock, I should say, uh, radio shows, uh, 10 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Pacific Time, and where else in the world? I don't know the time zones. So listen live and or listen archived. Peter Marshall returns with the Director Series. We're on Part 24, coming up on the 18th of April. And he's going to join us then. And if you haven't heard any of the other shows, it doesn't matter. But if you want to take the time between now and then to listen to some of them, there's shows 1 through 23 about how to be a better director. So those are all very cool. I'll give you just a a heads up as to some of the people who are coming back. Um, Julian Adams is going to return, and we're going to continue the discussion of um, uh, Phantom and uh, producing. Uh, Todd Robinson, who directed The Phantom, uh, along with uh, – uh, well, he directed the Phantom. He's going to be joining us as well. He's coming back, and Pendentium will be coming back, too. He produced The the Phantom and, and Backdraft and Robin Hood and a number of other movies as well, so they're going to join us. Mark Stolaroff will be with us on Thursday, May 2nd, and uh, he has the uh, No Budget Film School, and he's produced movies as well. He's going to be coming. And, and that's it for now. I'm just going to give you those names. And, uh, again, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat at uh, rexsykes.com. So um we're back with Doug Richardson at DougRichardson.com. dot com. That's D O U G R I C H A R D S O N dot com. And uh we're talking novels, we're talking writing, self publishing, we're talking blogs, we're talking screenplays, and a whole host of things with Doug. I do uh, Doug have a question for you in the um chat room that I want to ask. And it is do do Do, do you think that uh keeping up on blogs and social media takes away from your time screenwriting or does it help your screenwriting and in what ways would you suggest a screenwriter manage uh his or her time the best
0: good question does it take i you know i don't know if it, how much it takes away from my from my screenwriting uh attention it's sort of i kind of fell into it it wasn't something i i Plan to do. I when I'd written my last book, I got you know, uh, you know, I I, I I the the whole PR thing of it was I was told you got to start a blog, you got to jump on social media, you got to tweet, you got to, and I was sort of anti social media and, and and such. So I started the blog, and the blog was uh, was a <clears throat> The funny thing about the blog was, as I I began to write and tell these these war stories from from, from Hollywood, they weren't exactly uh, um, the best things to promote the book that I'm writing because a lot of the people who read the blog aren't crime fiction readers, and I get that. Um, but what I discovered from the blog, uh, which is why it's, and and this is advice I'm giving to to all writers, especially screenwriters, is when you write screenplays your audience is um is is a very limited audience as in you're writing for the gatekeepers. You know, your your audience is the executive, the producer, the manager to the movie star, the agent that you want to you know, to sign you. There there's a, a measure of there's a different kind of expectation of the reader, of the consumer of your written material when they sit down to read your work. And yes, they want to be entertained by it and they want to pass it the line and maybe it gets made into a movie and that's a great pop phen- phenomenon and I love that. Um, but it can be very frustrating that to, to be continuing to to beat your head against the the doors of hollywood to try and get a movie made as a writer you're sitting there alone writing something hoping it's good hoping it's entertaining uh yet you have a very finite window of people uh who are 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 reading you the blog suddenly becomes uh something i publish every week it's not that long it's 1500 words uh it's 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 extraordinarily rewarding to write something and post it and get comments on it and get read by thousands upon thousands of people. Um, uh, You know, you, you you're going to a different audience and there's there's great reinforcement. You know, it's the same thing with writing books, except that's more of a marathon in that you're going directly to the consumer who are reading it just for pleasure. People who read my blogs. Read them primarily because they enjoy reading them, and it's super rewarding. So it actually, as a screenwriter, excites me to sit down and write, and creates and gives me much more greater a a greater sense of patience when dealing with the vicissitudes of writing for that finite Hollywood you know or filmmaking audience. I hope that answers the question. I think it kind of does.
1: Oh, I think so. Do you find, though, that you have the same – I mean, it seems like this, the issues almost always uh, repeat themselves in different platforms, meaning you got to build an audience for your blog, you got to build an audience for your novels, you got to build an audience well, kind of for your screenplays. You know, I mean, in other words, it, you know, there's a lot of what our work is today if we don't have a pipeline – and even if you do, I mean, nowadays, I know authors sometimes, reg- you know, just like, you know, the filmmakers, the movie goes out, but they still need people to go out on, you know, on junkets to to promote the movie. So in the in the same way, we're, our job beyond being a writer or a filmmaker or a novelist or an actor or whatever is to learn marketing and to learn publicity. Would you would you agree or disagree with that?
0: Well, yeah, I do. There's there is a lot of. Promotion involved that you, you know, I I don't know how much there's not as much of that in the screenwriting business as there is correct the blog business or the book the the book business but the point I was trying to make is is you know the the purpose of writing is to be read and uh, okay. and and to be and to be read by and and to, and to be consumed the purpose of screenwriting is kind of to be read. It's be right, not it. really to be read. It's to be... It's to move up the ladder to the next step, to to the rewrite, to the agent that might attach the actor that you take it to the studio and then there's... You know, the purpose of writing a screenplay is to get it made into a movie, to get it adapted into a movie. You know? The purpose of... of Drawing a schematic for you know an architectural rendering for a house is to eventually have that become a house excellent point, you know, which is very, very, very different, and yet the process of sitting down and writing a screenplay and writing a book or a blog is very similar. You're still writing to get read, but your audience is reading it with a completely different point of view when you're writing screenplay. It's not, they're looking at it, can we make this into a movie? You know, imagine if you wrote your novel and your audience was nothing but movie people who are reading your novel saying, yeah, but can we get someone to turn this into a movie? And the purpose of writing a novel is for that instead of just to read it to enjoy it. There's not many people who read screenplays in showbiz who read it to enjoy it. They read it, hoping to like it, love it, you know, and attach themselves or some client or the money uh that they have to it to turn into a movie. You know it's a very weird process, right uh, right at least as far as writing and getting read, so you write a blog, it gets read. I posted my blog yesterday. You know I've all you know I'm sorry by the way, all you people trying to leave comments we're having WordPress issues today and yesterday, so the comment sections could put right now um but we're we're fixing that, but you know, and I try and respond to every comment because you know you want you want i I want people to read it and enjoy it and respond to it, so it's immediate reinforcement I write it it gets read you know I can publish my book i read the reviews, I get the comments, I get the emails, I get the book sales, I get read. I write the screenplay, it may end up on a shelf somewhere. In mm-hmm. some executive's office. Wait you know, on his stack of ten screenplays he has to read this weekend. And hopefully he won't read it when he's on the elliptical.
1: <laughs> True so so uh, between a screenplay and a novel when it comes to the description and the prose is there uh, for you uh, you know is there is there a thing that works um, you know should we uh, be painting pictures or should we still be fairly terse i, I mean and by that i don't mean uh, non efficient in or, or just efficient in writing that we uh, I'm trying to, trying to find the question here. You know, some some
0: are you are you are you referring to, to to movies or
1: books? To movies, to screenplays. You know, like versus the novel where you can where you 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 might say it was a dim dark day, the clouds. You know, and you go through this whole thing. Uh, you know, are people when people are writing their descriptions in a screenplay should they be, um, you know, as uh, they should evoke imagery obviously so that the the person reading it can see it. But but is it the same? F- how best to write your descriptions I guess is the question I should ask uh,
0: yeah you, you're best to write descriptions in a way that gives you a sense that you're watching something I mean that is a movie You it is sight and sound and you want to give the impression that you're watching something visually and maybe hearing something uh, or experiencing something uh, writing emotions into your screenplay Uh, you know, doesn't work. You're creating, you know, writing, it's a form of impressionism, uh, writing screenplays in that you're giving, you're trying to all the time give the impression that you're watching a movie, that the reader who hopefully is versed in reading screenplays, you know, because the first time someone reads a screenplay, it may seem strange, but someone versed in in writing screenplays (coughs) and reading in that language is seeing and watching a film. Um, and and there's still writing in it, by the way. One of my favorite writing stories uh, or quotes that describes the difference between screenwriting and directing beautifully is once Adrian Lyne was asked, uh, what's the difference between writing and directing? And, and he quoted a, a, a bit uh, from Jacob's Ladder. Uh where Bruce Joel Joel Rubin had written, Jacob stares into the void, right? And it's a beautiful, very simple line that in the right place at the right moment gave this incredible impression uh, of what Jacob was seeing, how Jacob might be looking at it, if you had a shot of Jacob, whatever. It was a simple, very descriptive line. Um, I think beautiful. That's beautiful screenwriting. Adrian Lyne then responded with the difference between that and 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 directing as as a director. You first have to say, okay, well, how big is the void?
1: Um,
0: <laughs> is it is am I is the am I going to film the void on a stage? Uh, what color is the void? How many painters do I need to hire to paint the void? Um, uh, am I going is, oh, is to? Are we going to do the void in CG? And if we CG the void, you know, and on and on, that's the, the practical nature of, it it is in the end a schematic. And, right. But at the same time, Adrian Lyne himself said, described, it was a great moment in the script. It was, it was the simplest bit of visual description that gave a great impression that then as a director, he had a chance to interpret it and had to figure out how to interpret it because it wasn't specific whatsoever but it gave a, a, a sense in that moment of, of where you were supposed to be and what you were supposed to be seeing. That's how to write movies, to give visual impressions of what you're seeing, but without describing every little darn thing because you only have so many pages. So brisk, fast, simple impressions, simple images that are easy to read, that don't get in the way of the line of dialogue that you're about to read, because hopefully the actor's going to read the line of dialogue and say, my God, I can't live unless I get to deliver that line. (laughs) Please (laughs) let me be in this movie. (laughs) And you as a former actor, Rex, should know
1: that.
0: What? And you as a former actor should know that.
1: Uh, agreed agreed so so doug uh, but but someone can say and 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 jacob stares into the void and 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 you go yeah i mean in other words that's um they could have also said jacob looks but sees nothing and it's not quite the same or you know what i mean In, in other words when it comes to writing the the more uh, i always call it semantic density the you know it's the difference between uh, he, walked, he walked across the room and he lurked you know you can't say he lurked across the room <laughs> right you could say he could say he walked across the room he lurked in the corner or he was lurking i mean that has that the, the 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 word lurk itself carries a bunch of connotations that you could i think more readily visualize or you could break it down to describe what it is when someone's lurking That's
0: why writing screenplays is indeed writing, you know, compared to schematicking. You know, it, it 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 is writing. There is skill and craft and art and poetry in it. And
1: some of the early writers or emerging writers will say things like, and we see Jacob look into the void, or, you know, we hear the birds overhead. We just drop out the we hears and put a bird calls from overhead.
0: Uh yeah, and that's up to you, the writer, and the style in which you, you write it. There's some very there's some very remarkable writers out there who, you know, who are very successful screenwriters who use the we see we hear, you know, uh-huh. uh a lot. But um there is a little bit the we see we hear of of, you know, leading the reader through the storytelling process that can be Somewhat annoying to some readers, but uh, it seems to work for them. I used to say, them, "I used to say I would never, ever, ever, ever write we see or we hear." And uh, there's been times and moments where I just I've used we see and we hear. It sounds really silly, and we and, and to, to, to even to be discussing it. But at the right moment, at the right time in the screenplay, if that's what best gives the impression of what you're supposed to be watching you know the 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 movie i'm trying to get you to see in your mind then you know we see and we hear your we hear it all the way through the 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 script if it works It's, it's what it's whatever works
1: and and as with anything experience breeds wisdom hopefully in other words i can go to a cooking school tomorrow and they say things taste better with cilantro and then i just throw cilantro into everything and that may
0: not be My wife would disagree. <laughs> all right,
1: basil. But but it be but you know She hates
0: cilantro, that's all I'm saying.
1: Huh? Yeah, so so but <laughs> the, the point well taken, but the, but the point I'm making is is that if, if somebody hands me something, you know, gives me a tip or a suggestion, I may think, Okay, I, now I apply that everywhere when what experience is all about is knowing when to apply something. You know, it it's it's having it's not it's not that it just fits every place.
0: Yeah, it's t- it's timing. It's it is it is like I say, it is writing. You know, you gave that little description of I forgot what you said while well, I talk about Jacob stares in the void and you said Jacob stares and sees nothing. Right. It doesn't sound as compelling. Well, but it depends on what preceded it and and follows it. That might have actually been the best possible thing to say at that moment. Based on how you built up to, and Jacob sees nothing. You know, it's it's there you know ev- notes on on a page of music mean nothing except in relationship to the note prior and the note following,
1: and to the silence you know? in between.
0: Right, and that's that's why it, it's still writing. You know, I yeah. mean, and and how you do it. You know, I mean, there's it's writing, and there's different styles. I, I mean. I, I remember reading uh, years ago a Walter Hill script and a David Mamet script back-to-back. Um, and I'm not a huge fan, by the way, of reading a lot of scripts. Just some. Because uh-huh. um, uh, I think too many writers out there just read too many scripts. and uh-huh. you, you get You get wrapped up in trying to ape other people and stuff. But I just was curious about how they got it done. You know, and how Walter Hill wrote his action. You know, and how you know, when he wrote Alien and how um, David Mamet wrote Action. He wrote Action like you would think he wrote it in, you know, a, a book, a playwright. Bill enters. He sits. Then David, <laughs> David Mammoth dialogue, you know? But based on what you're reading, once you get into the rhythm and the style of David Mamet, the whole point of how, how he wrote is he wanted you to be in the rhythm and the style of David Mamet. He wanted you to pay attention to what they were saying. You know, and that uh-huh. read brilliantly. You know, the same way Walter Hill wrote in this very staccato image way that he wanted you to just fall into his rhythm of seeing things the way he wanted wanted you to see things. I think screenwriters should do the same. I think all people who write screenplays, you should find your own way of putting it across. Okay, it's going to help you. It's going to help all writers if you decide your own way to do it, as long as it works, as long as you're communicating. You know, if it doesn't work, you're going to have to change your style. But find a style and live with it and work with it. It's eventually going to work for you. You know, don't ape other people's styles.
1: Oh, very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, I have another question from uh, from the, the, the chat room uh, from Ray who says, uh, having gone through both processes – do you prefer writing a novel and self-publishing it, or spec-writing a screenplay and getting it optioned?
0: Ooh. Well, they, they're ooh. The, um, having I thought get the, the, the question went a different direction. <laughs> I did. Did uh, have have yeah? Having gone through both processes, I um the end game in writing movies is. I, I think the, the better question would be. Would, would I want to write a spec script and get it made into a movie or write a book and get it self published? Um, okay. if I could write the book and get it self published and have it be a bestseller, you know, versus, you know, write the movie, ha- write the, the, the movie had it made, have it be a hit. They're both very, very similar. Getting a, for me, getting a, a, a screenplay option is just getting further down the road to getting the, the movie made. If i had i mean there was a certain point where it was a it would it did feel like an end game, it did feel like a success to get a screenplay option, <clears throat> but you want to get the movie made, you want to get it into theaters you want to get it to get released really well you you, you love a, you know a thirty million dollar ad campaign behind it, you know or something which is you, you all of the above, but you want to get the the film made that's similar to getting a book published getting a book published and read is a very similar feeling. It's satisfying it's the you know it's getting to the end game um uh I hope that kind of answers your 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 question. I don't know if there's a difference between them. All I can say is the difference between writing a book and getting it published and writing a movie is there's there's a there's a top phenomena with getting your movie made uh at least if it's a hit movie or if it's released well it's kind of like. You know, smoking crack. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard not to want to have that again. So, uh, versus, there's a wonderful satisfaction to writing a novel and having it be read and enjoyed. You know, even if it's a hit book, you know, it's it never, I think, reach, reaches that pop, kaboom, of opening weekend that you have with a picture. And uh, they're two different forms of satisfaction. And frankly, I would like to continue having both. There you go.
1: There you go. And and uh, and Ray says, "Good answer, thanks." And uh, and uh, and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and we've got another question. I, I um, and uh, it comes. It says, "Don't you think there's an intrinsic value?" Uh, before, I, before I before I ask Doug the question, let me say this. If you're in the chat room and you're listening to this live, if you can leave comments in the comment window, we surely would appreciate it if you do that now before you go away. Uh, I appreciate that very much. I just want to remind everybody to, to leave comments and to share uh, these interviews with others. So, Okay, but uh, the question is, don't you think there's an intrinsic value and interest in a script, even if it goes unproduced? And the, the the questioner goes on to say, after all, I devoured your script about uh Court with as much pleasure. Huh? Rockencourt. Court, yeah. With as much pleasure as if it was a novel and then it says PS I cried at
0: the end. Wow, thank you. Uh that's a real compliment. Uh you know, and and it's greatly appreciated. There's an intrinsic value to um to writing a really good screenplay, but gee whiz, unless I posted that screenplay on my site for other people to read, the only people that had read that screenplay called AKA were uh, the French company that made it, Chris R- Roulancourt, the director, and uh, or the, the, they didn't make the movie; they they commissioned the screenplay, and uh, and some you know financiers here and there uh, a very very small audience uh, screenplays can work for you as as writing samples that can help get you gigs as a writer or get you that next up that next rung of the ladder um, so there is an intrinsic value to that but you know as far as touching the reader um, not many screenplays are, are available to read you know uh, on the Internet or or anywhere versus putting a book out there that's meant to be consumed and read. I think there's a greater intrinsic value in, you know, a novel in that regard, you know, as a piece of writing. Fair enough. Thus, end, thus ends the answer. Is that what? Thus ends the answer.
1: Thus ends the answer. There's a, for me, it's a little muffled right now. I'm having a little... Oh, it is? Yeah, we have having a little harder time hearing, but uh, that could just be could be me. Um, this has been fascinating. I want to point out again: Doug's website is is dot com, and uh, if you haven't checked out his blog, please do go ahead and check out and subscribe to the blog. You're going to be glad that you did. Also, definitely
0: is- subscribe to the blog. Go to the little window. Well, when the, the sites working, sorry, people, but uh, but yeah, get to the site, sign up for. Email alerts. You get an email every week. You don't have to go look for the blog. You don't have to read the tweet. You just need to just open the email and read the blog. And, just and the last
1: it. the last time you were on my show, if I remember correctly, you told the story, and I, I'm just bringing this up for mention because you've got so many great stories. But you told the story about Clint Eastwood, you know, and you had written that as a uh, in your blog as well. But but I think you shared it on the air and um and so if 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 people are interested they should go and, and check that out as well
0: the blog is it's not who you know punk
1: it's not who you know punk and but there it are many is. of them you you title you title your your each blog um differently like uh uh turning Japanese is about what
0: turning Japanese was a five part blog about uh my year. Uh, or better, with Hideo Nakata trying to develop uh, developing the screenplay, and more more about that, the battles, trying to get the movie made of my second novel, True Believers. But it was primarily a, a, a very bizarre, uh, strangely rewarding, and frustrating year uh, with uh, Japanese horror meister Hideo Nakata, who directed the original, Ringu, on which The Ring, the movie The Ring was based. Um, a wonderful, wonderful guy uh, who I am very blessed to have spent that time with and to know. And uh, um, a very frustrating year in time, but it, in, in the end, you know, I still have a friend and in, in the, the movie didn't get made, but I, I still had Hideo as a friend in what we shared and what we learned over that year. Um, and maybe one day we'll make the damn movies.
1: Is there is there um an interest in in converting other of your novels into into screenplays into into you know producing or or working with others to produce to produce your your novels
0: Which i would I- love uh them to make it to the screen uh it it's just you know it's all about hollywood uh the or or the or the film business and the appetite to make them at that time um right now books crime fiction to screen is not a genre that's really being invested in so
1: well, can, we, can we talk about that for a little bit then um what is what is the current trends in Hollywood that you've noticed
0: uh hollywood has the most obvious trend that everyone is experiencing is hollywood has discovered that there is a new crop of uh, 10 to 14-year-old boys every few years <laughs> that haven't <laughs> seen those movies. So they can... Uh, it's the marvelization of the business. They have gotten very good at making these comic books into <clears throat> action Extravaganzas, and then uh, fleecing the new flock of ten to fourteen-year-olds all over the world, and their parents, you know, and their sisters and brothers and whoever else they have to drag along uh, to see them. They're a very consistent crop of, of uh, you know audience that um, is there. It's going to they're going to consume the next superhero, you know, extravaganza. They're spending upwards of $200 million on each of these movies, uh, sometimes before print and, ad- and advertising. <laughs> um, and they're making money on them. So what used to go into investing in five or six smaller films, uh, they're just putting all their ponies into these big, giant blockbusters. And uh, the blockbuster mentality, the big tentpole mentality, is you know, that's a, that's a trend that's not going away because it's making money. Why, you know, Great. uh, what else isn't going away? Uh, there is the, uh, there was one other trend that just hit me a minute ago, but I missed it. Um, other, well, there's the 3d thing that, that is, they don't know if that's it's working really well in some other countries. The 3d thing, um, it's not working as well here, but it's, you know, it, it has allowed them to charge three or four dollars more per ticket, and which has then dragged ticket prices of the 2D movies up. If you haven't noticed, um, your your ticket for your basic 2D movies gone up a couple bucks in the last few years. Um, viewership, you know, they can keep saying box office is up. Hollywood is very good at making it look like box office is up every year, and yeah, it is gross box office is up because they're charging more money but um uh but viewership is down tickets are down butts and seats are down and that's also a trend uh because people are you know there's many more places to watch to to view your film to entertainment you know whether it's on your television or on your computer or a gaming device You know, which I actually think is kind of cool. There's, it's going to eventually open up, and it's already starting to happen more platforms for film and TV, primarily TV, now with stuff like uh, House of Cards on, on, on Netflix, and now Hemlock Grove is coming out. And if these, if these models for film entertainment start to work where they can direct release onto Netflix,
1: you know, a television
0: series, uh, gosh knows where else it's going to go, but I think that's, it's, it's fabulous. It's going to open up more avenues for writers and filmmakers to, to create all different kinds of products. You know,
1: I sure hope so. I have this, this, this kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say reluctance, Uh, by the way, we've got about, you know, Seven minutes or so left at at the very outside, but I and I want to have a comment from the chat room if I have. But I what I'm afraid. let let
0: this go on for hours and hours because I don't want to have to stop. And well, you know what?
1: Ahead. What I'm going to tell the listeners right now is that you you know <laughs> you you, <laughs> you and I uh, I'm going to run out of airtime, but you and I have agreed to come back and so we can continue this discussion and we'll, we will yes, continue we will. the discussion. Um, you know, Doug I'm has a lot to offer. Not over yet. Huh?
0: I'm not finished with my cigar yet.
1: So there you go. So it, it, not today, but but it soon we'll have Doug back, and and we'll have to continue, and continue. My my concern is that the internet, like the television airwaves, will uh, at some point, if not already, become dominated by those powers that be, and they will control the cost and the and the ability to upload or download, you know, and the bytes per minute kind of thing and bytes per second kind of thing, that that will end up with networks on. On the internet now, Ben Benjamin said, "I think we'll have like the the internet represents having millions of channels, you know, where everybody can have their own channel, and every movie maker could. Have. So, I mean, the, it, you know, we we are in this kind of flux thing. But I, 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 I get kind of uh, afraid that you know, it's it's like if you give uh, twenty people a bunch of marbles, one or two people will end up with all the marbles, and if you then disperse those marbles again, one or two people will end up with all the marbles all over again. Um, I
0: do. I agree with that to a certain uh I, I I agree with that to a certain degree in that Hollywood has a history of, of you know, and the big companies have a history of finding out what's working and gobbling them up and then you know, right. trying to own own the pipeline. Uh but the beauty of at least the internet and such is they can't own the whole pipeline and if someone figures out how to, <laughs> right. to right. platform something else on an, in another place, you know, that's, you know, there's always going to be growth that way. There's always going to be op- opportunities, you know, for, for filmmakers to, <clears throat> and writers to create a product and, and seek a market, you know, or try and create a market. And, uh, let me tell you, that's still a hell of a lot better than, you know, five major studios, three networks.
1: Uh, an excellent Great point. It truly, truly is an excellent point. You're right. Um, I, I want to uh, give you the last word. We're not going to have much time for that. There is someone who disagrees with you, and 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 you answered the question about uh, 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 a moment ago. But it said thanks for the answer to uh, having read the screenplay and, you know, and and saying that cried at the end. But she said, um, I read AKA on your site, but I disagree. You can find plenty of scripts on the internet. For example, Woody Allen's. Script read very well, and 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 the feel is d- different than the movie. So the and disagreement, I guess, terrific is and
0: fantastic, and that's just based upon that's you know the same the, the democratization of the internet just has proven that there are, <laughs> that there, are get- there 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 are, are different forms of entertainment for different people.
1: Absolutely. and
0: and and uh, I love the fact that they think a screenplay. You know, unproduced screenplay has as much intrinsic value as as a, a, a published work. I, I'm I'm speaking only for myself. I love that. That's what they think. I really, and I think that's really cool. Is uh, this is this is this, is this my, my was that my my last word?
1: Nope, nope. uh yeah, you got to, you got about two minutes for a last word. I'm going to let you have the two minutes. But I'm going to remind people that it's Doug There's a blog. His books are available there on the website as well as Amazon.com. By the way, I I proudly own all of your novels, and, oh, and other people should, should as well. And um, and uh, uh, so check out the blog, check out the resources, and check out the movies, uh, Doug Richardson. So uh, please. Well, I think you
0: pretty much said it all. Other than if, if you're a fan of, of my movies, uh, then I would expect and hope you'd be a fan of the books. You're not gonna, you know, they're 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 pop fiction. They're fun. The characters are great and gritty and gray and full of all sorts of uh, moral conflict. And uh, and you know, yeah, there's action. There's plenty of that action in them too. But they're, they're lots of fun, so I highly encourage people to go buy it, give it a read, uh, send me an email to my site, comment. I respond to everything. Follow me on Twitter at By Doug Rich, ByDougRich, um, uh where I also uh, respond. And, you know, I really look forward to, to coming back and, and hanging out again, Rex, I really do.
1: Me, too. And, you know, I forgot. I've been remiss in, in saying uh, com. I mean, by Doug Rich at, at uh, Twitter. So I apologize for that. You're also on Facebook as well, just so the people know. And, uh, yeah, well, you and I will talk in a few moments. We'll we'll make arrangements for when you come back, uh, if that's possible. And then we'll let everyone know when uh, when you're going to do that.
0: Terrific. Thanks, Rex. It's
1: been a fabulous time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. and uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk in just a couple moments. Thanks, Doug. And that was Mr. Doug Richardson, awesome, a fascinating guest indeed. And I uh, really appreciate uh, him sharing his thoughts and his ideas. And do go check out the, the, the books, the website, the blog. Uh, follow him on Twitter. You'll be glad that you did. Uh, I found this a very engaging hour, and Doug is always very candid and, and direct about about things. And, and to have a resource like that is always is always an incredible value. So please do. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at B T. Rex Movie BT. If you aren't, I hope you please will. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Rexxx Movie Beat Friends. There's a Rexxx Movie Beat group as well. It's small because we converted everyone from the group to the friends, uh, but apparently Facebook didn't ditch everything. And so you can find the Rexxx Movie Beat group. You're welcome to join that and uh, go and like the Rexxx Movie Beat Friends. There you are. Uh, let's see. So, uh, I've got many more exciting guests coming up tomorrow. Katie Elhoffer, costume designer and wardrober for Yellow Rocket, other movies, web series as well, and different projects. You're going to want to listen to her. Same time, 11 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Central, 8 p.m. 8 a.m. Uh, Pacific, and uh, where else in the world? I don't know. As always, when the chat, when the when we record live, the chat room's open. You can ask questions in the chat room if you're listening to this archived. Please go ahead and leave comments, but you can't join us in the chat. Lots of great guests coming up again. Katie for tomorrow we've got Mike, Mark Stolaroff coming up and and we've got uh, 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 Peter Marshall coming up we've got Penn Dencham, Todd Robinson, Julian Adams returning, we've got Doug Richardson coming back so uh, stay tuned to Rex Ike's movie beat and uh, again share us with all your friends and your movie colleagues and such alright everybody have a fabulous day make your movies and complete your projects and until we meet the next
0: time that is a wrap